Welcome back, everyone, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. This is episode number 105. And yes, right off the rip, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're only seeing one person on the screen. If you're listening on any of our audio platforms, it's only me talking. Just Dominic with you today. We were dealing with some technical difficulties coming into tonight for whatever reason. So we're trying to get those resolved as soon as possible. So hopefully you guys can put up for me, put up with me, I should say, uh, for a few minutes here as we chit chat. We're going to go over UFC Vegas 28. We're going to preview those six fight main or six fights on the main card. But first, it is time for everyone's favorite segment of the week, and that is the news. So as always, we've got our fight announcements coming up first. And although we've had some time off between fight cards, I should say, between UFC Vegas 27 and UFC Vegas 28. There haven't been that many big fights announced. Uh, So really three that we're going to discuss here off the top. First one being some bantamweight action. We've got number 15 ranked Cheeto Vera going up against Davey Grant. This is going to be on June 19th. This is the UFC fight night headlined by Dan Ige and the Korean Zombies. So that's going to be a barn burner of a main event there. And this is a very good fight for the Bantamweight division. Cheeto Vera coming off of that loss against Jose Aldo in his last outing. Very competitive up until that third round. And for Davey Grant, he's on a two-fight win streak, both via KO. Absolutely brutal. The last one being the performance of the night bonus. So this man is on a mission right now, getting his biggest test, biggest name. Look for that one to be a barn burner on June 19th. I believe that's UFC Vegas 29. Second fight announcement here. Wow. This has fight of the night written all over it. We've got Michelle Pereira versus Nico Price. It's going to be July 10th on UFC 264. This card is absolutely bonkers. If you don't know, it's of course headlined the trilogy, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor part three. We've got Steven Thompson versus Gilbert Burns and a plethora of other matchups. Even Kevin Lee making his return to welterweight against Sean Brady. Now we've got Pereira versus Price. These guys just go in and always leave the fans satisfied, to say the least. Michelle Pereira, the guy that does all the flips and crazy stuff inside of the octagon. Nico Price has an upkick finish, uh, elbows from the bottom finishes. These guys are just straight killers, savages, and they're now paired up to go one-on-one at UFC 264. Going to be an absolute banger there. And then the last fight announcement, oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, this one we're a little late on because it did come during this kind of lull where we don't do the news unless it's a preview or recap episode, but we've got the number one ranked men's featherweight in Max Holloway, the former champion, the longest win streak in that division's history, going up against Yair Rodriguez. He's ranked third. We've not seen him in the octagon since 2019. Long delay. He had some issues with USADA and all kinds of weird stuff, but he's back. And who to welcome him in the former champion, Max Holloway. This is going to be very interesting to see how this one plays out. Holloway choosing to stay active instead of waiting for a title shot. We, of course, know he had his last fight in January of this year against Calvin Cater, where he put on that five-round just beautiful performance, absolute domination in that one. And Yair... This is a tough task for him, but he's ranked third for a reason. And if he can come in and beat Max, he's probably next in line for a title shot. I mean, this is essentially a number one contender bout. So I'm really looking forward to this one. 
That is the main event, of course. It's July 17th, so the week before Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. And then the week after July 24th, uh, TJ Dillashaw uh, got rescheduled in his bout with Corey Sanhagen. So we've got three straight main events in the month of July that are absolutely nuts. But look out for this featherweight title eliminator, essentially, is what I'm calling it there. Uh, so let us know what you guys think about these fight announcements, uh, your predictions, what you think is going to play out in those. Now, we do have a little bit to talk about in the rest category. Nothing too crazy. However, it is in relation to the Ultimate Fighter Season 29. The reboot is here. If you didn't listen or watch our episode on Wednesday, we did a deep dive on the history of the Ultimate Fighter all the way from Season 1, some of the best moments, some of the best coach rivalries, the champions that have came from the Ultimate Fighter. Make sure to give that a listen if you have not already. However, the first episode aired for Season 29 and we had our first fight. So obviously this year is men's bantamweight and middleweight. Two coaches, Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. Those two, of course, going to square off for that title shot uh, for the title when this season comes to a close. And in this first one, uh, really, you just kind of get a background of some of the fighters. They take you through the house. Dana White gives a big fun speech to all of them. And then, of course, you have your first fight. And it was the middleweight bout, the number one overall middleweight chosen. And Andre Petrovsky was taking on Aaron Phillips. Andre Petrovsky is on Ortega's team. And Aaron Phillips was on Volkanovsky's team. And Petrovsky is an absolute beast of a man. And he came out and made it look easy. A very good grappler that he is, but very strong, very powerful. And he gets the guillotine choke in the first round, four minutes and 42 seconds in. So he advances on to the semifinals. Uh, congratulations to Andre Petrovsky. Aaron Phillips, keep your head up, man. Aaron Phillips was a guy that came all the way from Alaska and uh, really even said on the show he was teaching himself MMA through YouTube videos because there's hardly anyone up there uh, in his neck of the woods in Alaska to help train with him. So keep your head up if you're Aaron Phillips. And for Andre, again, congratulations. You're moving on. It was really fun to see the Ultimate Fighter return. They did a good job. Obviously, it's on ESPN Plus. Uh, Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time, for those of you that were wondering. And uh, episode two is coming next week. And on that episode, we've got Team Volkanovsky's number one pick, the number one overall pick of the entire show, and that is Mitch Raposo. He's an undefeated bantamweight. Uh, and he's going to be taking on Team Ortega's Ludwig Sholinian. Hopefully that's the right pronunciation. So that's, again, going to be at 135 pounds. It should be a very interesting bout. I'm really intrigued to see Mitch Raposa go to work. Obviously, if you're the number one overall pick on the show, uh, you've got that hype behind you for a reason. So I'm really excited for that one. Looking forward to it on episode two of the season. But in terms of the news... That's all we've got, and now it's time to preview some fights. It is UFC Vegas 28. We have a six-fight main card, and it has been plagued by some cancellations. There were some notable names that got pulled off, Nate Landwehr being one of them. Um, I'm blanking on another one, but then there was also a huge fight that had already been delayed once in Amanda Hebos and Angela Hill in the women's strawweight division. Unfortunately, that one fell through once again, so who knows when we'll get to see that matchup. However, the show must go on, and this is a card where 
Yes, there's some lesser known people, but sometimes that's not the biggest of deals. I mean, these guys still can come out and put on a show. We've had so many uh, preview shows of these fight nights where there's not a bunch of big name people and they still go out and put on great performances. And I don't expect it to be anything less than that for UFC Vegas 28. So without further ado, the first fight of the night is going to be Tom Brees and Antonio Arroyo. This is a middleweight bout, 185 pounds. Tom Brees, a veteran of the UFC now. He's 12-3, and 5-3 and three in the promotion. He's got five KO, TKO, six submissions, eight of those 11 finishes in the very first round. Notable win against Daniel Kelly. That was via TKO. And then notable losses to Sean Strickland via split decision. Brendan Allen via, via TKO, and he also got submitted by Omari Agmedov. And on the other side, we've got Antonio. He's 9-4, and four, but he's 0-2 in the UFC. But oddly enough, he went 2-0 and on the Contender Series. So I'm going to be curious to see what comes of it here in his third go-around in the octagon. He does have four KO TKOs and four submissions, so that's 8 out of 9 via finish, and 7 of those 8 have came in the first round. And I will say that his first two fights in the UFC, very notable opponents, both were decision losses. He lost to Andre Muniz and then Darren Wynn. Of course, we know Andre Muniz just had that big win against Jacare Souza at UFC 262, uh, the prelim headliner, as a matter of fact. So this should be an interesting bout here. Both guys like to finish. I mean, literally have over a 90% finishing clip. And for Antonio especially, he's looking to kind of fight for his career here, fight for his job, because if he goes out and loses, he would be 0-3. And it's crazy because when we get these contender series prospects, especially a guy that went 2-0 on the show, they usually have a pretty successful early on career, that is. So it's a tough task here taking on a veteran in Tom Brees after going 0-2 to start your tenure in the promotion and I just really think that the veteran expertise of Tom Brees is going to be able to get the job done in this one. Uh, early warning, I have a lot of finishes predicted for this UFC Vegas 28 card. And the first finish is going to come on the first fight of the night. And I got my notes right here. Or not my notes, but my predictions. I'm going to Tom Brees third round KO TKO to start the night off. Again, he's a veteran of the game. Loves to finish fights. Very well-rounded. Uh, I believe he's from the United Kingdom as well, so a market behind him as well. And he's looking to really get his name out there in this middleweight division. He's been back and forth, fought some tough guys, so he's going to get a win here, I believe, at UFC Vegas 28. For Antonio Arroyo, can he win this fight 100%? And he is going to have some extra motivation. Again, he could be fighting for his career here in this one, so be on the lookout for Arroyo to maybe cause some issues for Brees, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm going Tom Brees. Uh, to start the uh, night off on the main card. Next up, Dusko Todorovic is back. This is now, let's see, I just want to make sure, yeah, his third fight in the UFC and also his third fight on the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. This man just loves getting his name out there on our show. He's taking on Gregory Rodriguez at the middleweight division, 185 pounds. Dusko is 10-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in the UFC, and he also went one and zero on the contender series. He's got six KO TKOs, three submissions, so that's nine out of ten via finish. Six of which have came in the first round. Notable wins against the aforementioned Michelle Pereira. Funny enough, this was at SBC 19 back in 2018. 
That was via TKO. And then he also beat Daquan Townsend in his UFC debut. And the only loss on his record and in the UFC came against Punahele Soriano via TKO in a fight that most expected was going to be pretty wild for the short time that it lasted. And for Gregory Rodriguez, making his UFC debut here, he is 9-3, and three, but he lost his lone fight on the Contender Series. So we're getting a lot of Contender Series gentlemen on this card, and that's great. I, you guys know how much I love the Contender Series. But it's odd because we have one person in the first fight of the night that went 2-0 on the Contender Series, but he's 0-2 in the UFC. Then you switch over to Gregory. Yes, he's debuting, but he lost his lone fight on the Contender Series. I will say I believe he went back to LFA after that and won two straight fights, so that's why he finds himself in the UFC now. Of those nine wins, four of those are KOT goes, and four of them are submissions, and five of those eight finishes have came in the first round. So in our first two fights of the main card, we really have some straight killers here that love to finish fights. And when that's the case, it's hard not to predict another finish. I think this is going to be a barn burner, but I don't think it's going to last very long. I do believe that Dusko's boxing is very crisp. He's very technical. Yes, he did get clipped in that last one against Soriano, but I don't think Gregory... And again, he's a newer guy, of course, making his debut, so we don't know as much about him, but he's going to have that power to catch Dusko off guard because you got to think Todorovic went back to the drawing board after losing, and he's probably polished up a few things in the stand-up as good as he already was. It's kind of scary to think of. Still such a young guy, only 28 years old. I'm going with Dusko Todorovic here. I think he gets the job done first round K-O-T-K-O here for, for Dusko. He earns a second win in the UFC and uh, going to be on to big things, if I'm not mistaken. They're wasting no time giving this kid some challenges, and I think he's going to pass another one here with flying colors. On to the next fight, and to be honest with everyone, this is my fight of the night. This is my people's main event is what this one should be called, if I'm being honest with you. We've got a welterweight clash. Santiago Ponzinibbio is returning after his loss uh, most recently in his return fight, I should say. And uh, he's coming up against Miguel Baeza, the absolute young stud. Carmel Thunder is back finally. Again, this is at 170 pounds. For Santiago, 27 wins, four losses. He's 9-3 and three in the UFC. 15 KOTKOs, six submissions. Out of those 21 finishes, 14 of those have came in the first round. He's got notable wins against guys like Sean Strickland via decision. TKO and KOs over Court McGee and Gunnar Nelson. A decision win over Mike Perry and a brutal KO finish over Neil Magny, which headlined the very first card ever for the UFC in Argentina. Of course, that's the native land of Ponzinibbio. And the notable losses... He lost to Lorenz Larkin way back in his early UFC career via TKO. And then, like I said, in his return fight after a two-year hiatus, lost to Li Jingliang via KO in brutal, brutal fashion. For my Miguel Baeza, one of the biggest prospects in the UFC right now that's really flying under the radar, he's going to put people on notice for this fight here. He's 10-0, 3-0 in the UFC, another contender series guy. He won his lone fight on the show. He's got seven KO TKOs, one submission. And out of those eight finishes, four have came in the first round. Notable wins already in just three UFC fights 
against Matt Brown via TKO and submitted Takashi Sato. As well-rounded as they come, uh, really, both of these guys, I cannot wait for this fight. Again, the people's main event, this is my prediction uh, for fight of the night. And even though I'm pulling up my uh, notes here for who I think is going to win, I don't think this one's going the distance either. I think both these guys are just too powerful, too strong. They're too well-rounded. But who's going to be able to get the upper hand on one another, really, is the best way to put it here. And I'm going with the fresh blood in Miguel Baeza. I know that this is a huge step up for him, a huge jump. But Ponzinibbio, although he got KO'd in that last fight, and that can happen to anybody, he didn't really show much during the short time that it lasted anyway, in my opinion. But on the other end, Baeza, man, really in his prime right now, really young. He's got the crisp technical striking, and he's so strong and powerful. I think he can get the fight finished anywhere. And I just, there's no chance that this goes to the distance. I just can't see it going the full 15 minutes. These guys are as tough as they come. I think Ponzinibbio definitely will have his moments. He's going to look better in this one than he did in that return fight against Li Jing Liang. I know some people don't really believe in ring rust. I'm kind of hit or miss on the subject. But that didn't look like the Ponzinibbio we were used to. Because you got to think, before that hiatus, this was a guy that was on an eight-fight win streak and was looking like he was challenging for a title soon had he not had to go through all those injuries. And now Li Jing Liang is no slouch. He's now a ranked top 15 guy, so he is a stud in his own right. But I expected a lot more out of Santiago. I think he is going to show us a lot more in this second uh, bout here in his return state. But Miguel Baeza, I really am on the Baeza train. I believe in this kid. I think we could be on to a future title contender in this welterweight division. He really is very talented. He's got the build, the physique, the athleticism, the cardio. We've really seen it all from him already in only three UFC fights. And I think he adds a huge name to his resume here in Ponzinibbio at UFC Vegas 28. I think he gets the job done in the second round via KOTKO. I know it's hard to pick fight of the nights when they're not going to go the distance. But ladies and gentlemen, I believe this is going to be uh, the number one option for fight of the night when the night is all said and done. Now, the next bout, and you'll have to excuse me for a second. The mouth's getting a little dry. i got to take a sip here. Uh, we've got Roman Delize and Loriano Storopoli. I believe that's how you say it. You guys can see it here on the screen if you're watching. Um, so this is a really fun one, too. Again, Lesser-known guys, but really good, really fun stylistic matchups. Roman Delize is 8-1, 2-1 in the UFC. He's got four KOTKOs, three submissions, so seven out of eight via finish. Five of those have came in the first round. No notable wins yet, but still early on in his UFC career. However, the lone loss on his record did come to Trevin Giles. That was via decision. Uh, and then for Loriano, he's 9-3. and three. He's 2-2 two and two in the UFC, five KO TKOs, two submissions. Four of those seven have came in the first round. Notable win against former title challenger Tiago Alves via decision and a notable loss to Tim Means in his last outing uh, via unanimous decision. So this is fun because the leads a, and I'm sorry if I didn't say the weight class, uh, it's a middleweight bout. So that's three out of six fights on this main card are at 185 pounds. My apologies there for not saying it off the top. This is going to be a really interesting stylistic fight. And this was one 
that you've got two guys that are still a little less proven when you look at their experience in the octagon. However, they're getting a main card spot. And no one, I like to say this all the time, certain fights get put on the main card for a reason, no matter what their name or drawing power may be. And this is one of those where you're probably listening. And if you're not, you know, more of a hardcore listener, and even for us too, it's not like we know a ton about Roman Delize and Loriano Staropoli, but it's on here for a reason. We say it all the time. And I think this is a very interesting stylistic clash. Roman Delize can be a misleading guy and he's super well-rounded. And I think that's where the biggest advantage is going to come for him. While Loriano uh, has honestly faced the tougher competition against with wins over Tiago Alves, a loss over or a loss to Tim Means, he's definitely fought the better competition in the UFC thus far. However, I believe that a higher ceiling is that of Roman Delize, and that's what's kind of making me lean toward him here in this bout. I think it's going to be an interesting one. Very technical. I don't think it's going to be too wild. You never know. They could prove me wrong. For all I know, this could be the fight of the night. But I'm actually going Roman Delize here via submission. A lot of people are thinking he's going to get a KOTKO. I believe he's a pretty heavy favorite in this one. But I think he's going to honestly hurt Loriano and uh, get the fight to the ground and finish him that way. I don't think it's going to come necessarily from dominant grappling or such. I think his hands are going to get him injured and he's going to finish it with a submission in the second round. Roman Delize looking to continue climbing the ranks, inching his way closer, I should say, to the uh, rankings in that 185-pound division. Now, our final two fights of the evening are the big boys at heavyweight. Both are uh, containing top 15 contenders in the first one. Of course, the co-main event of the evening, we've got UFC veterans going head-to-head here. Walt Harris and Marcin Tybura. Walt Harris is 13-9 and with one no contest. He's 6-8 and in the UFC with the no contest. However, all 13 of his wins have came via KOTKO, and of those 13, 11 have came in the very first round. He's got notable wins against guys like Chase Sherman, Sergi Spivak, and Alexi Olenek, all by way of KOTKO, obviously. But he does have some notable losses, too one of which being the Nikita Krylov, now a ranked light heavyweight, as we all know. That was via TKO. He lost the split decision to Shamil Abdurahimov, uh, got submitted by former champion Fabricio Verdum, TKO'd by Al- Alistair Overeem and Alexander Volkov. And those, of course, are two in a row. So he's on a two-fight skid coming into this one. Marcin Tibur, on the other hand, he's riding some momentum right now, the best of his career, if I do say so myself. He's 21 and 6, 8 and 5 in the UFC. Of those 21 wins, 14 have been finishes, 8 of them KO, TKO, 6 via submission, 9 of those 14 in the very first round. Notable wins against guys like Andre Arlovsky, Stefan Struve, Sergi Spivak, Ben Rothwell, and Greg Hardy. That last one against Hardy via TKO, all of the others via decision. He's riding a four-fight win streak right now, looking to make it five and crack into the top ten of this heavyweight division. Notable losses have came to Fabrizio Verdum via decision, Derek Lewis via decision, and then TKOs and KOs to Shamil Abdurahimov and our UFC Vegas 28 headliner, or one half, I should say, in Augusto Sakai. So this one 
is interesting because Walt Harris is in a difficult spot. As we all know, he went through that tragedy with his stepdaughter about a year and a half ago now where he unfortunately lost her. And uh, he took some time off, returned to the octagon, but he's on a two-fight skid, not quite looking like the same Walt Harris. Of course, they came to Alistair Overeem and Alexander Volkov, two absolute studs in this heavyweight division. So uh, no slouch there coming in on a losing streak. But Tybura, as I said, riding momentum right now, the biggest win streak of his UFC career. And if he can get a win here over a guy with a name like Walt Harris, it can really catapult him in to this top 10 of the division, especially a guy that's not fought for a title like so many ahead of him have. But, and I'm going to say this for both guys here, when they face their toughest competition, and right when they're about to break through that ceiling and catapult into that next uh, echelon of this heavyweight division, they lose. And it's the same for both guys, as I said. So for Tybura, I think he's going to look to be pretty grapple-heavy. He's a guy that likes to grind out a decision. And that's no hate toward him. I mean, he gets the job done, right? A win's a win. So I think he's going to look to grapple here, clinch up with Walt Harris, put him up against the fence, maybe even utilize some takedowns. It worked well against Greg, uh, Greg Hardy. So I'll be curious to see if he can do the same with Walt Harris. Walt has shown some vulnerability with his chin lately, two straight via KO, TKO. Yes, against very powerful guys. Tibera, not the guy that's going to have like a one-shot KO. However, he can put punches in bunches, especially if he gets Walt up against the fence. I will say in Walt's last fight against Volkov, it was more so the body kicks from Volkov that inevitably ended up getting the finish, that TKO. So for, for Walt, what else does he have left in the gas tank? Can he pull out a win here against Tibera? He's still ranked in the top 10, so his career is not over by any means. However, a loss here would be three straight. You're really looking down this division, and if he continues to fall, we've got some big prospects coming up, especially guys like Tom Aspinall. Uh, even Sergi Spivak, who these guys have beaten, is still a rising guy that's been getting some wins lately. So does he want to get fed to those young up-and-comers, or can he get the win here, bounce back from the losing streak, and then maybe get a top-five guy in his next bout? I think this is going to be a relatively lackluster fight, and again, the heavyweights could always prove you wrong. We talk about these heavyweight fights uh, on the main cards all the time. Those are usually between unranked guys. This time, of course, two top-ten fighters. I think Tibera is finally going to be able to get that big win, that big jump that he needs this would be five straight wins for him uh, and really a big fight would be next no matter who the name may be because if you look ahead of Walt Harris that top seven all of them are relatively big names that have headlined you know main events for fight nights even some that are main evented pay-per-views and I think Tibera is really looking to take that next step sometimes it just takes people a little longer to get into that prime. And although he's a little older and a veteran, both of these guys, I believe Tibera right now is hitting his physical prime. And I think that's going to be enough to get the job done. This is my lone fight on the main card that I see going the distance. I just don't see Tibera being able to finish Walt Harris like we've seen some of these other guys do. I think he's just going to utilize the grappling, as I've said a couple times already. The clinch work, I believe, should be big for him. The punches and bunches up against the cage. And if it does get to the ground, I just think he'll more so utilize the top control. Will he get a KO on the ground? I don't believe so. Will we get a submission? 
I definitely don't see that happening, but that'd be a good prop bet, I'd have to imagine, for those of you that are betters out there. Uh, so, man, as much as I would want to pick Walt to bounce back, I'm really, really going uh, for Tiberio here to continue his win streak, make it five straight, and crack in finally to that top ten of this division. And now the main event of the evening. Both guys coming off of main events in their last outing of Fight Nights. Jairzinho, ooh, I just butchered that. Jairzinho, there we go. Rosenstroik, uh, number six in the division versus number nine ranked Augusto Sakai, our five-round heavyweight main event. Jairzinho is 11-2, and 5-2 in the UFC. He's got 10 KOTKOs, seven of which have came in the first round. Notable wins against Andre Arlovsky, Alistair Overeem, and Junior Dos Santos, all via KOTKO. And the two losses, Francis Ngannou via KO. We all know how brutal that one was uh, in May of 2020. And then, of course, Cyril Gane. That was his most recent outing. It was the five-round main event, one that a lot of people were really excited for, and it was a pretty underwhelming fight. And the same can be said for Augusto in his last outing. But for Sakai, he's 15-2-1, 4-1 in the UFC, and then he did also get a win on the Contender Series, so 1-0 there. Out of the 15 wins, though, he's got 11 KOTKOs, so a guy that still likes to finish fights. Uh, Six of those have came in the first round already in his pretty young UFC career, really, both of these guys. Uh, Augusto's got wins over Chase Sherman via TKO, split decisions over Andre Arlovsky and Blagoy Ivanov, and a KO win over the co-main eventer in Marcin Tibera, as I mentioned. And the notable losses on his record, Czech Congo, funny enough, former UFC contender in the heavyweight division. That was at Bellator 179 in 2017 uh, via split decision. And then he has a notable loss to Alistair Overeem in his most recent outing. And again, that was via TKO, by the way. One that was relatively lackluster on Sakai's end. And it really, to me was the veteran expertise of Overeem that played the biggest difference in that one. So for these two here, Rosenstroik Sakai, number six, number nine, two top ten guys looking to bounce back, coming into this main event off of losses. And a lot of fans are just kind of lackluster uh, on this fight, this main event, not as excited. I can see that sentiment. However, when you have two guys that are coming off losses that have something to prove, They could be at their most dangerous state. And for Rosenstroik, a guy that's got so much power and can one-punch KO you, he's going to be dangerous all the time. And that Gane fight, he really just didn't let the hands go, and I think it was out of the respect he had for Gane as a striker. For those of you that haven't seen Cyril Gane strike, elite level, especially for a heavyweight. The way he moves, picks his shots, his kicks, his punches, everything is perfectly timed and precise. So Rosenstroik, I just think, was afraid to pull the trigger because of him potentially getting caught. But for Sakai, he's a guy that's not going to necessarily one-punch KO you. Yes, he has power. These are heavyweights at the end of the day. But this is a guy that really loves to utilize the clinch, loves the punches and bunches, shots to the body, knees to the body, Muay Thai knees up to the face. He's very, very dangerous in the clinch. And we haven't really seen Rosenstroik get tested much in that area. So look for Sakai to definitely have the advantage there if it goes there and for however long it may last. I don't see this bout going to the ground very much. For Sakai, he really kind of had his weaknesses exposed against Overeem. 
Overeem immediately recognized that his grappling was better than Sakai's, took him down in that second and third round. I believe it ended in the third, maybe even the fourth. I can't remember. Noah would be here to fact check me usually. Uh, so Noah's going to be shaking in his boots, not being able to answer that one. But nevertheless, Overeem's grappling got the upper hand in their fight, and that's how he inevitably got the TKO finish on the ground. He beat him to a pulp when they were grappling. But Rosenstroik's not a guy that's going to come in and grapple, and Sakai's not going to grapple in terms of at least wrestling with Rosenstroik. So I think there's clear pass to victory for both guys in this one. Rosenstroik, I think, keep the distance and look to time the power shot that can really injure Sakai and wobbling bad. For Sakai, very elite-level clinch striking, as I mentioned, especially to be a heavyweight. Look for that to play an advantage uh, for him in this one. Will he be able to get Rosenstreich close? Will he be able to close that distance? That's my biggest question for this main event. I always like to have kind of, you know, biggest questions going into these main events when we break them down, and this is going to be it for me. Can he close the distance? Because that's, I think, the only way Sakai can get the job done. Rosenstreich is going to have the speed advantage. He's going to have the power advantage. And that's why I'm picking Jarzinho Rosenstreich to bounce back in this UFC Vegas 28 main event. I think he gets it done after a feeling out fight over the course of two rounds. I think round one, they're going to get a feel for one another. It's going to be relatively lackluster. Round two, business will start booming a little bit more. Sakai may be able to get the clinch. Again, that's my big question mark in this one. But Rosenstreich will begin to kind of gauge his distance more in that second round. So much so, I believe he does have it all lined up perfectly to be able to get a third round KO, TKO finish in the main event. Get back in the win column in this heavyweight division. And again, for both of these guys, not many names in front of them. And for both, a lot of fresh matchups as well. So it's very important. Huge implications here for both guys. Both coming in hungry off of losses, as I mentioned. Look for this to be better than their last outings. I should say, for the winner anyway, look for it to be a better outing. For the loser, I just I don't see this being a fight of the night contender. It's going to be too much of a feel-out process. <clears throat> Not a lot of you know, leather slinging like we saw in the most recent heavyweight bout at UFC Vegas 27 uh, between uh, Justin Taffa and Jared Vandura. It's definitely not going to be one of those. Neither one of these heavyweight fights will be like that. Uh, so I am, at the end of the day, going Rosenstreich. I think he bounces back, gets a KO, TKO in round number three. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's it. This is a pretty short preview, but usually, obviously, when there's two of us, we kind of go back and forth. We both kind of have our own thoughts and opinions. So, again, we did have some technical difficulties. Hopefully, you guys bared with me for this short episode. If you're watching on YouTube, Hopefully the quality was good, messing around with some new overlays. We're going to still continue to keep grinding, making this video podcast as good as possible. For those of you listening still on Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, all of our audio platforms, thank you for your support as well. Hopefully this was um, a good quality episode for you to listen to. Again, on the shorter side of things, but we like to keep it precise as much as we can. And when there's one guy, uh, this is about as precise as I can get it. So uh, let us know what you guys all think of the fight announcements that we went over, what your thoughts are on the Ultimate Fighter reboot that just started uh, this past Tuesday night. And then, of course, let us know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or if you listen. Be sure to follow us on our social media, comment on our Twitter and Instagram what your predictions are going to be for UFC Vegas 28. 
that leads me into kind of our closing out here, our outro. You can find our podcast on Twitter and on Instagram at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. Uh, usually on fight days, we're doing uh, result tweets, so you can interact with us there. We do polls on Twitter to see who everybody thinks is going to win in the main event. And then, of course, on Instagram, we post um, two to three times a week on when our new episodes come out, so be sure to give us some love there. Give us a follow. Let us know what you guys think. And then you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at dsleeve 14 right down – oh, opposite finger, right down here in the corner if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, so feel free to give me a follow. And, of course, Noah, you can find him on Twitter, on Instagram, at ntbaker underscore. But with that, I'm out, and we will see you all on Monday for the UFC Vegas 28 recap episode.